0: Welcome to Souls Harbors Weekly Podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message.
1: Good morning. Good morning on Facebook also. Uh, Glad to be here and share this Sunday morning worship with you. Uh, My wife and my son Wyatt uh, and Andrea, uh, they are not able to be here today. Wyatt is seven years old, as you see in our picture, and seven-year-olds and long days of travel. I, I got up this morning at six to come here. I have another service in the evening and won't be home till probably about midnight. So you understand, it's, it's a tough day. And plus, we got a new little, his first puppy. It's our watchdog that will go with us to Serbia. And watchdogs and four-month-old puppies also don't travel well. So he's home with uh, watching his doggy, and will be participating online as well so it's great to be here Uh, this church has been a partner for many years for 20 years as pastor mentioned we were in uh, czech republic and uh, this last term we did church revitalization we were raising up missionaries from czech to go to unreached people groups Uh, one of them landed in where used to be uh, the islamic state they went in a month after islamic state was pushed out another one is in the middle east another one going to afghanistan that area so your giving has made a big difference. Uh, I won't, don't have time just to go into all the details, but God started to speak to us and move us to Serbia. And uh, if you want to see the details, you can read our newsletter that's out there in the lobby. But it was a difficult choice. Uh, God has really opened up a lot of doors for many, for many years, for six years. In fact, we were the only AG missionaries in uh, Czech Republic, uh, and we always thought we would be buried there. Um, but God started to speak to us. Uh, the world missions, one of the leaders asked us to consider Serbia, because uh, Serbia is about where Czech was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Uh, they've had a very difficult time keeping missionaries there. And so when they asked, they they said, you know, feel free to say no, but would you be willing to go and open up that field? And so we said yes. We've been a little crying, uh, weepy and everything, but but we really feel like this is where God is leading us. Uh, and if you want to remember to pray for us, there's a simple way. The capital city of, Serg- of, of Serbia is Belgrade or Belgrad in Serbian, uh, Belajar in Czech. Uh, and that actually means the White Castle or the White City. So every time you see a White Castle restaurant where you d- bite into a tasty White Castle slider, you can pray for us uh, in Serbia. So I I wanted to share something, an insight we picked up from the Czech Republic last time. I I didn't share this in the first service, but I felt it was applicable. Uh, I've started my Ph.D. research and working on a Ph.D. in intercultural studies. And part of that, I did a deep dive into the Czech culture. And I interviewed people, and we found out that almost every, all but one of the people I interviewed could go back five generations without finding a single Christian in their family. And we also discovered another thing, is that all of them said that they had only one friend in the world. And got diving in a little deeper, and to my surprise, I'd lived there 20 years, and I didn't realize this, but Czech is more shame-based than guilt-based in their cultural mindset, and anthropologists will kind of understand that lingo. But basically, there's two words in Czech for forgiveness, uh, to prominot or it, And one of them means, prominot, like if you do something and it's an accident, you can say, promin, I'm sorry. And everything's like it was before. Nothing has broken that relationship. It means, I've done something and I can forgive you of the consequences, but that, that barrier is still there and it will always be there. There's nothing you can do to fix that relationship. And guess which word that they use for forgiveness, like in the Bible? it So I ran, I would run into people for years and years, and they would say, I've prayed, I believe God's forgiven me, but I just don't feel like He wants me. They, I believe I'm going to heaven, but I don't feel anything. And we heard that this morning. And what it is, is that cultural lens that they have would say, well, God has forgiven me, but because I've Hurt him. I've broken the rules. I've, I've. There's a distance between me and him, and he can forgive me, wipe away the sin, but I will never have a close relationship. I want to just say that for years and years that would just bug me. Uh, I prayed, but God doesn't want me. And maybe that is a lie that you've also been hearing in your in your ears. God just maybe He's gonna let me go to heaven, but we're just not close because I've broken too many rules. The gospel is all about forgiveness and reconciliation. And God wants total reconciliation with you. So receive his forgiveness, but also receive his friendship this morning. Because he wants to be, he wants to call you his friend, his son, his daughter. And nothing will change that. This morning, I want to talk about missions, uh, and my text today is from Psalms, chapter 67. And I've titled the message, The Psalm of Inclusion, or The Psalm of Mission. And as a missionary, I, I spend a lot of time this last term teaching other Czechs to become missionaries. And I've been surprised as I come back, there's a lot of churches that will actually ask us, well, don't use the term missionaries, use global worship, uh, worker, things like that because there's a lot of people that hold a perception of missions and missionaries as something evil. Uh, missionary Missionaries are considered by some to be an evil tool of colonial oppression, perpetrators of cultural genocide, and things like that. And I found that often those with this particular viewpoint frame missionary activity in terms of coercion or cultural dis- destruction. And this view is often derived from a mistaken thought, process that says that christianity is a european religion and i wanted just uh, to give you a few thoughts about this so that you can kind of understand a little better the gospel has no cultural home the gospel is not european it's not african it's not asian the gospel is heavenly it's coming from outside into our world uh Jew- jesus was actually jewish Do you realize that? There's early church fathers, Augustine, Tertullian, the one who said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Those were Africans. And in fact, few people realize this, but after Tertullian said that, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, within 100 or 200 years, Christianity had been wiped from his land. There's a, a church historian, Andrew Walls, uh, he wrote a book, Crossing Cultural Frontiers. He documents how early Christianity was enriched as the gospel moved from the Jewish community to the Greeks, to the Syrians, to Africa, and so forth. And every time it transferred across a the culture, the, the Christians were forced to answer new questions that they hadn't answered before, and it enriched Christianity, and it, it enriched our understanding of God as people struggled, and they said, well, this is what God meant in the Bible. That before they didn't ever think about, should I eat meat sacrificed to idols or not? I mean, But we read about that in, in the Bible, right? Because it crossed the gospel crossed a cultural frontier, and then suddenly they were wrestling in new ways with the gospel. There's another historian named uh, Philip Jenkins. He wrote The Lost History of Christianity. He's a secular historian, but it's a fascinating book. And I highly recommend it if you're a history buff. He documents how the... In early Christianity, for for the first 1,000 to 1,400 years, if you had bet which one of the three lobes of Christianity, African, Asian, or European, would survive, everyone would have bet against European Christianity. It was the weakest. To give you an idea, uh, India had 50 what they would call metropolitans. That's an area that was overseen by a bishop, uh, a, a large area of Christian population. They had 50 in India. India was sending missionaries to Tibet, to China. By the 7th century, China, we have inscriptions in Chinese showing the gospel was there. Early Buddhist monks were coming to the Christians to ask them how to translate their texts into Chinese. Okay, so the gospel was there first. And in Europe, remember, India has 50. Europe had two. That's how much stronger... Christianity was there in what we now consider the 1040 window, the unreached people groups of the world. Uh, the very first coins minted with Christian motifs were not from uh, Constantine and, and the Roman Empire, but they were actually minted by a king, Ezena, of the Aksumite Empire, which is it was done back in the 4th century BC, or AD, and that was in the area which is today Eritrea and Ethiopia in Africa. Just to give you an idea, the gospel has no cultural home. We must, every generation, plant, replant, evangelize, re-evangelize, contextualize, re-contextualize for every location and generation. Because today's reached people groups could be tomorrow's unreached. And today's unreached people groups could have had the gospel in the past. So missions is going from all nations to all nations, and if you read Spanish, Gonzalez, his book is—he's actually a- Argentinian. His book is originally in Spanish, and he does an al- also an excellent job at outlining this. The other uh, misconception that I run into a lot is that um, in the Old Testament, they people see the gospel in terms of exclusion—that the Old Testament God wanted just to save His chosen people, Israel—and suddenly in the New Testament, He's into uh, people who are from other nations and saving them. But if you look at the Old Testament, you see God has a heart for missions and for all the nations. In fact, if you read in Isaiah and you carefully study, you'll find prophecies that say, speak to Egypt, my chosen people. I mean, that blows some people away. Well, I thought Israel was my chosen. No, Israel was called as a chosen people, as a priesthood and missionaries to all the nations. Jonah was sent to Nineveh, which was not Israelite. Uh, so we see Psalm 67 is an example of this thought process in the Old Testament. And we're going to read it today. Psalm 67. You can follow along. It says, God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. This is a rep- repetition of Numbers chapter 6, the blessing that was read over them. And then it says, why? So that your name may be known in all the earth, and your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, and let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations of the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce, and God, our God, blesses us. Why does he bless us? God blesses us so that all the ends of the earth may fear him. It's a missionary psalm. The psalm of inclusion for all nations. If you know anything about genres and literary uh, types, the psalms are a type of poetry or psalm or song. And what you'll find in poetry is often the structure will carry meaning as well as the literal written word. And so I've written out a little, broken down this into uh, the structure of this psalm. And if you're following along on Facebook, you can find this in a PDF file that I sent in. Uh, And you'll see that the green and the the color coding shows the repetition that happens. So verse 1 and verse 6 talks about the blessing. God blesses us. Verses 2, verses 7 tells why God blesses us. So that all the nations will know you and praise you verses 3 and 5 show the meaning of life that the nations finally discover that they can praise and worship god and then in the very center is the core what everything revolves around and that is the joy from god's justice and guidance god is in the center and that's the first point this morning we're going to start with verse 4 and the first point is we need to start with god the center. It says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations of the earth. Today on a global scale, we're seeing lots of people talking about uh, social justice, uh, different causes. Uh, People instinctively feel when something in their world is out of alignment with God's plan. I'm not saying that everyone is proposing the right solutions to this but we all feel when something's not right we know that god did not intend for half the world to be starving and the other half not to be we know that god did not intend for races to be fighting amongst each other and hurting each other we know that god did not intend for little children to be abused we know that god did not intend uh, and we can go down the list and that's causing people to struggle and, and wrestle and look for solutions But I'll tell you that we will not find solutions. We will not find that peace, that joy that it talks about in verse 4 until we put God in the center. Everyone is trying to put the world back together again. We're trying to fix the brokenness in humanity. But we're all longing for a Savior who will lift up the poor, bring sight to the blind, heal the broken hearted, set free the captives, just like in our theme verse. Isaiah 67, 1 through 2. That's God, the God of the universe. Well, it says that he will make the last be first, the first be last. He will balance the scales of justice. And maybe this morning you are looking at your own personal life, and you say, well, my life, I can sense that something is not right. I feel out of balance. I see my relationships are broken. I see this or that. And you can fill in the blank what's causing you distress. And that should be something that causes us to, to look and put God into the center. There's like a, a man named Tomash. He was a pastor who came to me as we were doing church revitalization consultation. And he asked for help revitalizing his church. And I started to ask him some questions, and I found out he's starting to burn early burnout symptoms as a young 30-something pastor. He's doing all of these things very good things. He's got a community center. He's doing outreaches. He's doing this Bible study and that stuff. And I talk to him and I ask, well, Tom, how how often do you read and and pray and just spend time with God for 15 minutes a day? Do you do it at least five times a week? It's kind of like what I look for in these these consultations. He says, no. We got to talking and he's, he said he's lucky to do it maybe three times a month. I was like, Tom, you got to get this God back in the center you got to get this right he struggled with it and everything he finally admitted yeah I need to a couple months later he came to me he said there was a crisis in his church and he said Jason I'm so glad that I started to spend time with God like you told me because otherwise this would have destroyed me but now I've been hearing from God and I know I'm going to get through it I know he's in control see Tom was doing a lot of good things like a lot of us do We, we do a lot of good stuff But unless we put God in the center, we're not going to experience that joy that comes from his guidance. The second point is we find life's meaning by knowing our ultimate purpose. The psalmist says, may the nations praise you, O God. He's talking about the people's finding the purpose of life, and that is to give glory and worship to God. The very first Westminster catechism says that the chief and highest aim of man and woman is to glorify god and fully enjoy him forever one day we will not need to do missions work because we will be gathered around the throne what will we be doing praising and glorifying god in fact john piper the missiologist wrote missions is not the ultimate goal of the church But worship is. It's on the next slide. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate and not missions because God is ultimate and not man. In fact, I think it's significant that the very first act of the church was to glorify God. And the next slide, that says that uh, the people heard the, the disciples who were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they heard them out on the street and they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Yet we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. The very first act of the church under the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit was to give glory to God. That's what we were created for. That's where we get our joy from that fulfillment that comes from fulfilling our purpose. Since coming back to the United States, I've heard continuously advertisements in the radio and on TV it's partly probably because my, my ear is out of tune from what's going on in, in America. I've been away for five or six years. And it said, they're saying all the time, you can make a difference. You can make a difference in your giving. You can make a difference in your volunteering. And you see a lot of people looking for meaning in their life from their advocacy work. But the only joy that will, and meaning will come is when you know your purpose, and that is to glorify God. Some people even look for meaning in their relationships, in their children, in their work. Maybe you've felt like this. You need to to pour everything into your kids or into your work or into your grades. Those are all good things. There are many places where we can invest our energy and our time, but we discover the deepest fulfillment when we live with a singular focus of bringing glory to God. My mission work becomes about lifting up God, not about the church that I'm planting or the activity that I'm doing. My uh, Tucking my little boy into bed becomes about teaching him to glorify God and and showing him how good God is, is, not just about snuggling together. My work becomes a vehicle that puts me into positions where I can share the story of God's goodness. And the act of going and sending missionaries is an act of worship. I got to the Czech Republic and I was working in a church. We were building a, uh, uh, how do you say it in English, like a, a church building, a prayer room. And there was, the pastor asked me to go and visit a young man from the church. And I, he didn't tell me anything. And I went to visit this man. He had broken his back in a couple places. And I just thought he was a regular Joe from the church. I didn't realize that he had asked, was actually one of the members of the mafia that would go and shoot somebody's leg off whenever they would disobey this huge hulking man laying there and he started to talk to me he's like how is it that you speak Czech I was the first American he had met that could speak his language and he started talking he's like I bet you have a house and a car and money and things like that and And I was like no I've never owned a house Uh, I actually just gave away my car to another missionary and I just jokingly threw in because I thought, again, I think he's a regular Joe from the church. And all all I have in the world is a bed. And I just, I have that in storage with my parents. I prayed for him and I left. About two, three months later, I came back and there is this man in the church. And he asked to drive me home. And it was a 30, 40 minutes drive. And this huge, hulking man starts weeping as he gets in the car. He tells me his story. About how he had watched his little brother die when he was buried by sand. And he felt guilty all his life. How he was beat up as a kid. How he was raped. How he had been cheated on by his wife. How uh, he had tried to commit suicide. The rope broke and he was so frustrated and all of these things. And he said, That night when you prayed with me, he said, For the first time in six months, I got up and I used the toilet on my own. And he said, when I got back to bed I was just hearing what you said all I have in the world is a bed he said all my life I wanted what you had given up, the house, the car the money and all I could use in the world was my bed he said I had to give my life to God and he's now living for him and when he talks he just weeps how his life has been changed and he was one person, he actually grew up as a son of a pastor. But it took a missionary and you sending us to bring God's praise and his worship back into this young man's life. And the last point this morning is that we receive blessings to bless others. God wants to bless his people and that blessing carries with it a purpose. If that purpose is to carry out his mission and enable others to worship him around the world. There are places where worship is not, where people do not have the hope, the fulfillment that comes from fulfilling their purpose. We are compelled, not because it's a, a mandate and, and God's saying you must do it, but we are compelled because that is what we are created for, is to give God glory and worship him and to help others for find, find their fulfillment that comes from knowing why they were created. And God blesses us so that we have the means by which to carry out that purpose and to bring that praise to others. I learned this story from a very, in a very humbling way, this, this, how God blesses us. I was in a prayer meeting and there was a man that I'd never met before named Nahor. He came up to me and he asked me to, to coffee. I went to lunch with, or coffee with him and he started to tell me his life story. He was actually a refugee from Eritrea, remember this, the country that first had Christian coins. But now today, the socialists are persecuting, they would burned his church down, they've put, uh, killed some of his relatives, they would put his cousins in prison. And he had escaped as a refugee with his children to the United States. He said, when I came to the United States, I was so grateful. I prayed to God, I have a certain amount for a car so I can take my children around. I can get to work. He said, anything below that, I will give to the person you tell me to. He said, during prayer, I saw you. And I knew I needed to give to you so you can take the gospel to check. That was humbling because I was thinking a refugee, $25 maybe, and that was going to be hard. I'm preparing myself. Man, how do I do this? I I can't tell him no. He gave me a check for $500. You know how absolutely humbling that is from a hand of a refugee saying, I want to give glory to God. I want to give the blessing that he's given me. Think of all the blessings that God has blessed you with today. How much have you spent on clothes, our our data plans for our phones, uh, eating out, our televisions, our streaming programs, our books, Starbucks, sports, maybe our haircuts or hair coloring, some of us do, some of us don't uh, color. We all get haircuts, I hope. And then How much of that blessing have you given so that others will give God worship and praise? And again, I'm not trying to guilt you and say, hey, you you ought to... No, I'm just trying to show how much we are blessed. How much are we blessed? Missionaries get haircuts too, okay? Missionaries, we have data plans too. God has blessed us. And how much of that have we used so that the nations will glorify him. And maybe this year has been a tough year, like it was for Nahor. You've lost a lot of things. You've lost your job, perhaps. But God has also blessed you with other ways that you can be a blessing to those around you. Maybe he's blessed you with healing so you can tell others what he's done. Maybe he's blessed you with insight or wisdom so you can share it with others. Maybe he's blessed you with a merciful heart so that you can show others mercy. Maybe he's blessed you with children so you can raise them up to be ones who glorify him. Maybe he's blessed you with his presence during heartache, difficult circumstances, or even barrenness, so that you can tell others how he helped you to survive. I'd like to close by reading the blessing from Numbers chapter 6 over you. And I I truly believe that God is going to bless you this morning. But I want you to also purpose within your heart when God does bless me, how am I going to use that blessing so that my neighbors, my friends, those in Serbia, in Africa, other places can also give glory to God. So just getting your... Attitude of receiving, whether you're on Facebook or you're here, if it's bowing your head, lifting your hands, whatever you want to do. And I want to read this blessing that God commanded his people, his priest to pray over his people in Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. And I want you to receive this blessing this morning. And then pastor will come. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. And may may he give you peace. Receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. Amen.
0: Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. I enjoyed that. Will you guys give me, I don't want to ask for five, four minutes. Let me, let me bring this to a conclusion. I've been asking the question for the last two weeks of Mission Month, why? Why are we compelled? And I hope, as you've listened this morning and these past few weeks, you begin to, you feel that sense of compelled to tell people about the gospel and to send those that can tell. One of the things Jason mentioned in his first service, didn't mention here, was Uh, He's a missionary going to Serbia, and one of the things they do there is train missionaries, Serbian missionaries, to go to other parts of this world. I guess he did touch on that. I believe every dollar ought to count as much as possible, and it excites me to hear that we're supporting a missionary who's going and training missionaries, right, to spread this gospel. Why? Why are we compelled? Uh, For those of you on our feed, you won't be able to see this so much, but if you look at this poster behind me, why are we compelled? Because there's young boys around this world that don't have a smile on their face. Because there's elderly men that they have nothing in their life to smile about. Because there are people all over this world that are hurting and they have no hope. Why are we compelled? Because every time we can have a piece or a part in in, in bringing the gospel, the truth of Jesus, we put a smile on somebody's face. You guys, I know you kind of get this because you remember what it was like pre-Jesus before you were forgiven of your sins? Do you remember the weight and the heaviness? Every time we put a smile on somebody's face with the good news, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. Last year, we, um, as we prepared, so the beginning of 2019, as I began to prepare for last year's missions month, I felt God say to me, don't just make it about the money about the faith promise I mean that's an important piece of it but he said help people to realize that our missionaries are our family and care for them connect with them and we've done some things and let me just show you share with you quickly how you can do that how you can care for them we've put some things in place in the in the foyer there's a missions corner we spent a lot of money last year on putting that all together and we have a, a video that plays every week and we change it up regularly just to keep you updated on what's going on around the world with missions. On the table out there, you'll find, um, you'll find newsletters from our missionaries that look something like this. This is actually the newsletter from Jason. And we change those out regularly so you can get an update on what's going on in the missionaries' lives and world, things to pray for. Maybe one of the most valuable things you can find out there is uh, we call it our Care and Connect card. It's just small white cards, and on that are birthdays and anniversaries and, and um, special moments in a missionary's life that you can reach out. You know, you don't even have to put a stamp on. In most cases, don't have to put a stamp on an envelope to send them a birthday card. You can do it with Facebook. Now, that doesn't mean they wouldn't like an actual card as well. But right, um, if you would do it for your family... Do it for a missionary. Christmas. Twenty years in Serbia, he told me uh, before sur- first service. He said, "I have to preach from notes because I find myself when I'm concentrating, I start talking in in Czech because I think in Czech." He's twenty years in a culture to the point that he doesn't even think in English any anymore. Um, do you know how valuable it is to get a card? Or a paper, newspaper clipping. Do they actually do newspapers anymore? I don't know. Um, from somebody in America, in your country, it just shows that there's somebody out there that still cares about me. So care and connect for our, with our missionaries. Uh, we send out a monthly newsletter, missions newsletter. Um, which is just kind of a, right here. You all, if you don't get it, see Ruthie, and we'll get you on the mailing list. You should get it, what's going on with our missionaries' lives, because we want it to be more than just a faith promise. We want you to pray. We want you to care. We want you to connect. We want you to do those things. Now, having said that, there is the faith prayer promise, and this is where the financial piece of it does come in, and, and we are able to send missionaries around the world. And this morning, and I know many of you have already turned in your promises Your faith promises, but if you haven't, there's a card up at the front, and in a moment we're going to have you come, and you should be receiving one of these if you haven't in a missions packet. If you're on our Facebook live feed and haven't received one already, you will uh, in the next few weeks. Um, But this morning, if you would like to, we're going to give you the opportunity to turn them in as you leave today at the the rear exits. I'm going to ask you to stand, that way I don't take an extra minute, Um, but here's what I would like to do today. Uh, as we've done the last few weeks, we've got a gift for you up here this morning, and it's a plaque of a world map. Make sure I get it the right direction. And on the map are, are pin drops, the pins, so you can see, every which is everywhere we support a missionary around the world right now. It's a gift, one per family we'd love to give to you. And I'm going to invite you this morning here in just a moment, if you'd come around to the outside so we can kind of keep some distance, and take a gift. And if you don't have a, a faith pledge card and you'd like one, please pick one up. Um, the gift is yours regardless, but if you don't have one, please pick one up. And um, you can turn them in in the back in the uh, boxes. And if you don't do it this week, if you're not quite ready yet, that's fine. Uh, it's not like if you turn it in next week or the week after or, or next month, we're going to say, no, it's too late. It doesn't work that way, right? So anytime you would like to turn it in, we would we would be glad to um, y- utilize that finance to help support and send somebody around this world. Amen? Let's do this this morning. I'm going to invite you to come as Cheryl plays. Go ahead and grab a gift, one per family, a a faith promise card if you need one. And then I'm going to ask you to go ahead and go back to your seat just briefly, and we're going to pray, and then we are going to let you go this morning. Would you come and uh, please come and and, and take a gift? And also, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, you can go ahead and come while I talk. There are uh, coasters and other gifts uh, also one per family, that if you didn't get one in a past week, please pick up a set of coasters, and the box, uh, little boxes there also are, are one of our week's gifts. We'd love to have you make sure you get one for each week. Jason, thank you again so much for coming and sharing. Um, look forward to seeing what God does in your life and your family as you move into Serbia. Uh, a new field, a new challenge, uh, and and I asked him how old he was before service. he spent 20 years in the Czech Republic, and uh, based on where he is, he could retire 20 more years uh, from Serbia if that's God's plan. So we're believing God for some pretty great things. Would you agree with me in prayer this morning as we pray over our missionaries and, and uh, over the lost around this world? Heavenly Father, we, as we leave this place today, I ask as a pastor and as a follower of Christ, God, break my heart for lost people around this world. Lord, ultimately, that really is the why. Why are we compelled? Why am I compelled? Because there are people that don't know you, and I know the pain and the suffering that that causes. And I pray this morning, break the hearts of this church, Lord, for the lost. And Lord, may we be the ones that send missionaries around this world. I pray this morning over Jason. I pray over Kim and Colby. I pray over all the missionaries that we support here at Souls Harbor. God, may you bless them and strengthen them. May you give them encouragement. May you lift them up in this difficult season. And God, may you keep them safe. And God, may you use them to reach the loss for the kingdom of God and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Appreciate you so much. Those of you on Facebook, so thankful you joined us today. You have a great week. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indie.r.com.